This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. You know, uh, one of the things that, um, uh, that I've become very aware of, and, and that is there are terms that are used throughout the body of Christ that mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Faith is one of those things. Believe is, is another form of faith that, uh, that, well, let me just explain what I mean. I can't tell you how many people have come up to me at the end of a healing school service or, or at the end of a service at some other time and they'll say, Pastor Mike, I want you to pray with me or pray for me, lay hands on me or something like that. And, uh, and they'll tell me what the situation is, whether it's for uh, a financial need, whether it's a physical need for healing, whatever the case is. And then my first question is always, and, and you need to know this, if you're going to ask me to pray for you, you need to know what my question is going to be for you. And that is, what scripture are you standing on? Because the Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Well, Jesus worked out the righteous part for us. That's the part that the devil will always try to tempt you with and condemn you about and stuff like that. But Jesus handled that part. Jesus made you righteous through a sacrifice. You are righteous if you've made Jesus the Lord of your life. You might as well just accept that. That's true. The other part, however, is the part that's, that, in, in my opinion, and in, in, at least in my ability to help people, is the most important, and that is effectual fervent prayer. In other words, it's got to be a prayer from the heart, but it's got to be an effective prayer. Too much of praying, too much of the church's praying is ineffective. And that's why the church, go, so many Christians go through life and they say, well, I don't know if God answers prayer or not. Well, he answers when you pray effectively. That's the key. And the Bible tells you how to pray effectively, and in a nutshell it is, base your prayer on his word. Now, there are some, there are some other restrictions, other conditions and things like that that, uh, that are necessary for you to keep in mind too and, and be aware of. But by and large, if you base every prayer you pray on what the God's Word says, you're going to get an answer every time. So I'll always ask people, so what scripture are you standing on? And here's their, here's their answer. Without exception, though, uh, for the ones that don't have a scripture and don't say, the Bible says this. For those that don't have a scripture to give me an answer for or, or answer my question with, they will say something to this effect. It's, it's almost rote. I, I, I'm not sure where they read this. I'm not sure where they get this. But it's almost the same thing that comes out of everybody's mouth. And that is, oh, Pastor Mike, I believe God. Well, what does that mean? I believe God. Think of that through from my perspective. As a pastor, if they were already getting the answers to their prayer, they wouldn't need me to pray. So if their form of believing God was enough, what are you coming to me for? Now, I know that sounds cynical, and I'm not trying to be hard. I won't, I won't, you know, I don't say this to people. But let's just acknowledge things for what they are. If what you're doing is working, you don't need anybody else's help. So if you need my help, that means there's something about what you're doing that you're either not doing effectively or there's some part of this that you don't know. Right? I mean, wouldn't that be a logical assumption if somebody comes to you for help? But their answer is the same almost always Almost every time. Oh, Pastor Mike, I believe God. Well, the Bible says faith begins where the will of God is known. In other words, you can't believe God for something you don't know is His will. And you can't know His will without knowing the Word. So if you don't have a scripture to stand on, you can't be believing God. It's impossible. Most people don't want to hear that. Most people don't want to acknowledge that. Most people don't want to to take the time to find out what does the Bible define believing God to be. That's what I'm interested in. 
Now, folks, if you're not interested in that, I'm sorry, this is really going to be boring to you. But I'm interested in what does God define these terms to be? Not to what, not what do we think they are. What does God define these things to be? Therefore, this, this phrase or this, uh, this saying that's so, so common in the church world about standing in faith, that means to so many people absolutely nothing because they don't know how the Bible defines their terms or defines these terms. Therefore, in Ephesians chapter 6, we started off with the 13th and 14th verses. Actually, we started off with verse 10 where Paul said, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. He's closing his letter by saying, Here's the most important thing I want you to get out of what I've said. Be strong in the Lord. Now, I don't know of anybody that says they don't want that. I don't know of any Christian anywhere that would say, Oh, no, I don't want to be strong. But I also don't know a whole lot that know what it means to be strong. Hope you're the exception. Because, again, that's one of those phrases that people say, oh, I'm strong in, in the Lord. Oh, yeah, I'm strong. And then they'll pray for strength. Paul said, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. In other words, be strong in him. He didn't say word one about you being strong in yourself. Most Christians think being strong is about how tough I think I am or what I think I can do with the devil or whatever. And that's not anything at all what Paul's talking about. He's saying be strong in him. Now, how can you be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might if you don't know what the Lord has done and you don't know what strength is available to you? It's impossible. So, the very fact that Paul says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might, presupposes that you're going to have to know what the Bible says about what Jesus has done for you. You're going to have to know what the Bible says about His strength that is available to you and how to apply or appropriate that strength in your life. And if you don't know that, you can... Want to be strong till Jesus comes back and it'll never happen. So it has to be based on the Word. Strength in God is based on a knowledge and an application of His Word in your life. Pure and simple. So all these people are saying they're believing God, if they're not applying the Word of God in their life, they're wasting their breath. So he said, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Then he tells you where your fight is or where it's not. He said, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The whole purpose in standing in faith is to overcome the devil when he attacks. Period. That's what standing in faith is about. It's about overcoming the devil's attacks. Now, the very people that will tell you they're strong in faith, the very people that will tell you they believe in God, they are at the mercy of the devil in most every aspect of their life. How can these things be? They can't. They don't match up. Paul said, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. That's good to know that our fight is not with people. If you're fighting against people in any area of your life, you've missed your fight. You're being distracted from where your real attack is coming from. He said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high or heavenly places. Wherefore, because this is true, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Another translation says that you may be able to overcome when evil attacks you. I like that. The key is the armor of God. He goes through and he tells us about the pieces of the armor. Every part of that armor of God has to do with some aspect of God's Word. In other words, he's saying, put the Word on yourself. Put yourself in the truth, the knowledge of who you are according to God's Word. Having done all, notice the last part of verse 13 and verse 14, it says, And having done all to stand, stand therefore. Now I want you to focus on the last part of verse 13 and the first part of verse 14. Having done all to stand, stand therefore. That tells you the standing is two different parts or two phases. One is preparation, the other is the stand itself. 
He's saying you're not going to make it if you don't prepare to stand. But even then, if you make preparation, you're not going to make it unless you effectively stand. Well, we've talked about the preparation part. That comes down to putting the Word of God in your heart. Joshua 1.8 says, This book of the law, that's all the Word of God they had back then, so we could paraphrase and say this Word of God, shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein. So meditating must have something to do with saying the Word. That's the only way something wouldn't depart out of your mouth is if you say it again. Because once you say it, it's gone. Well, how do you keep it from departing out of your mouth? You keep saying it. And that must have some connection to meditating. And that's what the word meditate really means. It's not some Eastern religion stuff where you cross your legs and hum. So many Christians get freaked out about, oh, meditation, meditation. And they're thinking Eastern religion stuff. Meditate just means to mutter or to say to yourself. So what is it telling us? It's telling us the key to victory is to say the word of God to yourself. This word of God, or book of the law, shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Now, he says to meditate or speak the word of God to yourself day and night. The rest of your time is yours, but day and night belong to speaking the word. It almost seems like it's a lifelong process, doesn't it? And that's exactly what it's intended to be. But thou shalt meditate therein, meditate or speak the word of God to yourself day and night, that thou mayest observe to do it. Doesn't do any good to put it in your heart if you're not going to act on it. That's why we said being strong in the Lord comes down to the knowledge of God's word applied to your life. Both parts are accurate, or both parts are necessary. That thou mayest observe to do according to this written therein. For then, the end of verse 8, Joshua 1, 8 says, For then, after you meditate in the word, after you do the word of God, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Now, folks, prospering and having good success can be in any area. I want to prosper in the area of healing, don't you? Well, that comes by meditating in the Word and acting on it. I want to prosper financially, don't you? That comes by meditating in the Word and then acting on what the Bible says to do regarding finances. I want to prosper where my family is concerned. That means meditating in what the Word of God says about relationships and acting on it, putting it in practice in our lives. It works the same in every area. Meditate in the Word, put, make the Word a part of your spirit, in other words, and then do what the Bible says to do. Those two things will make you prosperous and give you good success in any and every area that you apply it. That's the preparation side. Now let's talk about the standing side. When we're talking about standing, we're obviously talking about standing in faith. That's the only way you can be strong, and that is to be strong in faith. So look with me to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11 gives us what I believe to be the most concise explanation on the subject of faith that we have in all the Scripture. And Jesus is the one that gives it to us. Now notice it says, this is in result, in response, I should say, to Jesus having cursed the fig tree the morning before, and now they come by the next day, and the fig tree is dried up from the roots. There's no green leaf on it anymore. It looks like it's been dead for a month or a year or maybe dead forever. And the disciples call his attention to this and say, Master, look, the fig tree which you cursed is withered away. And Jesus says to them, beginning in verse 22, Jesus answering said unto them, Have faith in God. He did not say, Yeah, this happened as a special miracle to prove to you that I'm the Son of God. See, so many people look at the things that Jesus did and think, Oh, he did those because he was the Son of God. If so, why did Jesus tell them how to do it too? Oh, we could never expect to be in Jesus' same class. Jesus expected that. That's why he gave you instructions on how you could get supernatural results just like he did. 
Jesus answering said, have faith in God. That tells you right away that faith had something to do with this thing that they just saw. Faith had something to do with the supernatural result where the tree was alive and, fr- and uh, flourishing the day before. It didn't have fruit on it, but it had leaves. Green leaves were all over it. Now the next day it's dead and dried up from the roots. Faith had something to do with that because Jesus says, have faith in God. He's explaining faith is the, the, the action. Faith is the, the, the operation, the supernatural operation that brought about this miraculous result. Now he's going to define what faith is. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe, that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Now let's stop and just take verse verse 23 apart for a little bit. Notice he says that the number one condition for faith is not doubting in your heart. Did you see that? He said the condition for faith to operate is and not doubt in your heart. But, then he goes on, but believe. Now, if he's talking about not doubting in your heart, then he's got to be talking about believing in your heart. Otherwise, he'd be inconsistent. We wouldn't understand faith in any way. Right? So where he says not doubting in your heart, that means the believing that he's talking about has to be from the heart. Right? Okay, keep that in mind. Faith is a product of your heart. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Now, folks, you can let somebody steal your possession. I can go home this afternoon after church and find out that people have moved into my house and, and, and taken over. And I could just walk away. I could just say, well, this seems unfair. Or I could go in my closet and get my gun and clean them out. It's my choice. And my choice is going to be determined by how much I really believe this is mine. And that's exactly what taking hold of your possessions, taking hold of the finished work of Jesus, taking hold of the abundance of grace, that's what that really is all about. It's about you determining, is the Bible true that says, this is mine? Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to MikeWeb.tv. Jesus is giving us the description of faith. And notice what Jesus put the emphasis on. He said the condition was don't doubt in your heart, but instead believe in your heart. But notice where he put the emphasis. He didn't put the emphasis on believing. He put the emphasis on speaking. Let's read verse 23 again. He said, For verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain. Let's count how many times the word say is in that verse relative to the believer and compare that with how many times believe is in the verse. Because see, when you talk about faith, when you talk about believing, everybody focuses on the believing part. And everybody, most everybody, ignores the saying part. Yet Jesus reversed that. Jesus put the emphasis on speaking and not the believing. So let's count them. Jesus said, verily I say unto you. That saying is relative to him, not to the believer, so we won't count that one. Whosoever shall say, there's say one time, relative to the believer. Whosoever. He didn't say special ones. He didn't say because I'm the son of God, it works for me. He said whosoever. Now, folks, I want you to understand something. The same Bible says whosoever shall call on the the name of the Lord shall be saved. If the whosoever of John 3.16 does not belong to you or doesn't include you, then the whosoever of Mark 11.23 can't belong to you either. But the reverse is true. 
as well. If the whosoever of John 3.16 belongs to you, includes you, then that means this whosoever in in Mark 11.23 has to be you too. Now, again, the modern-day church wants to say, oh, John 3.16, yes. Whosoever believeth in him. Oh, yes, that belongs to everybody. Well, then why doesn't this whosoever belong to everybody? Jesus is talking. Same person said both verses. Why does the church say this is only for special people? It's not. If it was, Jesus would have told us. The whosoever means special folks. And, of course, anytime you get something like that that belongs to some people, not other people, the devil's going to tell you you're one of the ones it doesn't belong to. That's one of his greatest attacks where the, the, the issue of healing is concerned. Some people will say, oh, yeah, well, J- Jesus can heal, all right. God does heal, but you never know who it's his will to heal. And instantly the devil's on your shoulder saying you're the one of the ones that it's not his will to heal. It either belongs to everybody or it doesn't belong to anybody. Jesus is saying this belongs to everybody. So whosoever shall say, they're say in one form or one time. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe. There's believe one time. So now we're even. One time say, one time believe. But shall believe in his heart that those things which he saith, there's second time for say, shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Now, most people would expect that that would say, instead, he shall have whatsoever he believes. But it doesn't say that. It says he'll have whatsoever he says. So if Jesus knows anything that he's talking about, if Jesus understands the operation of faith in any means whatsoever, Jesus puts three times the emphasis on the saying that he puts on the believing. Yet the church operates just in the reverse. Church world wants to emphasize the believing part. Oh, I don't know if I'm believing enough. Uh, Pastor Mike, I, I don't know if I have enough faith. Well, that's, that has to do with believing. Jesus didn't put the emphasis on the believing. He put the emphasis on saying. Now, what did he say about believing? He said that you had to believe in your heart. And then he warns you, now don't doubt in your heart. How do you know when you're believing from your heart? So many times people will say that. Well, how do I know? How do I know if I'm believing from my heart or if, if I'm believing from my head or, 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 or just what? I don't know. Pastor Mike, how do I know if I'm believing from my heart? Well, if you're married, this should be the easiest thing in the world for you to identify. Because if you tell your husband or your wife that you love them, you're not always telling them because of your emotions. You're telling them because of the decision you made to love them. There may or may not be a ta- a, 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 a emotions attached to that at that particular time. That's what it means to believe from your heart. It's to let your heart agree with the things that you're saying, not just because you feel something. That's what Jesus said you have to guard against. He said, don't doubt in your heart. Well, if believing with your heart means you're saying according to the decisions you've made in your, in your heart or your spirit, you're speaking according to the word that you put in your heart, then doubt in your heart would be speaking according to your feelings. Now, with that in mind, read verse 23 again. Whosoever shall say... Unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, and shall not speak from his feelings, but shall believe, speak the word of God that he's put inside of him, that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Do you realize the importance of saying? Do you realize that, con- that Christianity is called the great confession? 
You know why Christianity is called the Great Confession? Because you can't get saved without confessing Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Paul said in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, he said, If thou shalt believe with your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and shall confess him as Lord, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That means you don't get saved until after you confess. Jesus is your Lord. Now think about that for a minute. We think of it as an instantaneous thing. But the Bible says that confession is made unto salvation. That means salvation doesn't come until you speak first. Do you know the same thing's true where healing is concerned? Healing doesn't come until you speak God's word regarding healing first. Speaking is necessary before the results can come. Now, verse 24, Jesus said, because this is the way it works, because you can have what you say from your heart, not from your feelings or from your flesh, but you can have what you say from your heart. Then he says in verse 24, therefore, I say unto you, in other words, because this is true, therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire. Now, folks, can I ask you a question? Can I interrupt ourselves right here for just a moment to to get you to consider something? What limitations are there on what things soever you desire? I don't know if you know this or not, but Jesus said when it comes to faith, He said nothing would be impossible to you. I know that's way out beyond most people, what most people are willing to accept and believe. I get that. I understand. But Jesus said nothing would be impossible to you. Okay. Back to verse 24. Jesus said, therefore I say unto you, because verse 23 is true, because this is how faith works. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, being the things that you desire, and you shall have them. Now how are we going to have them? By speaking from our hearts. He said the principle of faith works by saying, Verse 23 doesn't say one word about praying or asking God for anything. Verse 24 tells you how faith works in prayer. Why does faith work in prayer? Because you can't pray without speaking. You cannot pray without speaking. We could go through the Bible and look at example after example of people that got what they said. Do you realize the woman with the issue of blood got exactly what she said? Turn with me over to Mark chapter 5. Maybe this would be a good place for us to close. Mark chapter 5 tells us the story of the woman with the issue of blood. We'll start in verse 25. It says, And a certain woman which had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all she had, but was nothing better, but rather grew worse. Now she's not only sick, she's sick and broke. Things are not going in her favor. Verse 27. When she had heard of Jesus, came in, she came in the press behind and touched his garment. Why did she do that? Verse 28. For or because she said. Because she said. Notice she said, and it said something before she ever took action. She said something before she ever took action. She came in the press behind and touched his garment for or because she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. 
Now Jesus, skip down to verse 34 where Jesus starts talking to her. And Jesus said, daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. How do we know it was her faith? Because of what she said. Faith is all about what you say. Jesus recognized when he heard the story, I heard about you. I began to say, if I can just touch your clothes, I'll be whole. So I came in this crowd and reached out from behind to touch you. Jesus said, daughter, your faith has made you whole. How did Jesus know it was faith? Because she told him what she said. How does God know that you're in faith? Because of what he hears you say. Now, if you're talking about how you feel. I've seen people that go to Bible school. I've seen people that have been in this stuff for 30 years. This is something that many people continually trip over again and again and again. And they think, they take this, oh, what word do I want to use? They take this position of being, uh, for lack of a better word, open. They want to be open about things. And so they want to tell you how they really feel. Oh, I'm believing God for my healing, but I really feel like this. What are they doing? They're doubting in their heart, and they think that it's because of some, I don't, I don't want to use the word sympathetic, some, some, I don't know. I don't know what word to use. I'm sorry, I'm at a loss for words. But some idea that they have that, well, this is the way it really is. Well, if you keep saying what it really is, you'll keep having it the way that it is. Jesus said you'll have what you say. Oh, but Pastor Mike, I can't say something that I don't have. Then you'll never have anything different than what you've got now. She got what she said because what she said was what she desired, not because not what she had. Notice if it had said, tell me how the story would have been different. When she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind, but she said, I can't believe that I can't seem to get better over this. What would she have gotten? Not a thing. If you go through and read the rest of the story, you'll find out she's not the only one reaching out to touch Jesus. Because when Jesus feels power go out of him, he turns him around to the press and says, Who touched my clothes? And the disciples said, Master, thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? That's King James English for saying, Everybody's touching you. What do you mean, who touched you? Everybody's touching you. Well, if everybody's touching him, how come she's the only one that got anything? Because she's the only one that said she'd get something. The most important way to use your words is to confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The Bible says that the only way you can come into the family of God is through Jesus. And that's by believing that God raised him from the dead and confessing him as your Lord. So a simple prayer of salvation would be something like this. God, I believe that you sent Jesus to the earth that he died for my sins, and you raised him from the dead. Therefore, I confess him now as my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Father, for saving me and for accepting me into your family. That's all there is to it. If you've never prayed that prayer, I encourage you to do that today. Thanks for watching. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Holy Spirit said through Paul, Christ is the head, you're the body. Where are the feet? Are the feet in the head? No, the feet are in the body. 
That means if he put all things under his feet and you're the body of Christ and he's the head over all things to the church, which is his body, that means all things are under your feet. He's there to administrate. We're here in the field. He's at the home office. We're in the field. That's the only difference. We've been given his authority to use in the field. We've been given his place in the field. We have the same place with God, holy and without blame, as Jesus does himself. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.